Welcome back to People Analytics. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton. Today, I have with me Buck Segelke, and he is head of people at Wattify. Hi, Buck. Welcome. Thanks. Nice to be here. Great. So uh, give us an intro about who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Yeah, sure. So uh, I am the head of people at Wattify, as you said, uh, responsible for um, uh, the uh, people operations programs um, at the organization. Uh, I've been in people operations, HR recruiting for uh, about 15 years overall at this point. Um, I've been in leadership roles since for probably about the past 10 um, at various software companies. I've been in tech for about the past 10 as well. Um, you know, I uh, I do this because, you know, I, I like uh, I like helping people, I like solving problems. I mean, that's at the core, that's what uh, that's what people operations and, and HR does is help people solve problems and you know reduce liability and <laughs> all of that is is very much uh, very very much appealing. Yeah. So what I really you know love about your passion is you're passionate about engagement and engagement in the workplace is something to be really concerned about. Um, you know, it's on the decline. It uh, encourages turnover within an organization. So how do you view engagement as a leader? Yeah. So to me, engagement is your your ultimate state of being. Um, it, it's a goal and it's a result of <clears throat> excuse me all of the uh all of the people operations activities and uh and projects and and initiatives that you put together are are focused on the ultimate goal of having engaged happy employees um and engagement you know the 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 arguments out there for engagement are, are pretty irrefutable at this point you know i mean it's it's something like you know 17 percent more productive and profitable um 67% less turnover in engaged employees. And I think, you know, the biggest one for me is that, especially in, in the technology world, um, you know, when engaged employees reach that, that threshold of psychological safety, that's really where they're, they're at their most productive and most innovative. You know, that's where they're putting together kind of the, uh, the world beating projects and things of that nature, because they feel safe enough to take the risk. Um, and they feel safe enough to bring forward these these crazy ideas because they know there's not going to be any repercussions, you know, and that stems from engagement that stems from them, you know, having meaningful work, feeling like that work makes an impact um, and, and from, you know, knowing where they stand with the organization and, and knowing that, um, you know, they, they are uh, they are being successful in their roles. I like what you said, um, knowing where they stand in an organization, because at least in my career experience, I had to wait till my annual review or there's always that anxiety looming of, am I not doing this well enough? Or does this person have an issue with me that they're not telling me? So I love that you mentioned that. Yeah, you know, I think anybody who's who's got a hint of anxiety has felt that at some point in their career, yeah. right? You know. <laughs> And, you know, with, with big monolithic organizations, you know, typically they're doing the, you know, annual performance review where they're stack ranking and cutting the bottom 10%. And, and that's, mm. that's a path to, to complete disengagement. You know, if, yeah. I, if I have to wait a year for you to tell me, you know, how well I did on something that, that was eight months ago, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be a very engaged employee. 
yeah. you know, in, engagement to me stems from, from a few different things. It's, it's first and foremost, you know, I, I think it starts in onboarding. Um, you know, and I divide onboarding into four steps. There's, there's pre-hire, there's orientation, there's integration, and there's follow-up. And each one of those steps is designed to start to engage the employee right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, during pre-hire, it's the the time in between offer acceptance and start date, and you're keeping them warm. Maybe you're throwing them like, hey, this is a cool podcast you should listen to that our CEO did. You know, this is uh, this is some information about your benefits package. This is how we do performance management here, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and then orientation, you're really showing them, you know, kind of giving them, um, you know, the, uh, the, the culture presentation. And this is how the different departments interact with each other in our organization. And then during integration, you know, that's where they get their first definition of success. Their manager needs to sit them down in the first one-on-one and say, hey, this is what I expect of you out of this role. This is your 30, 60, and 90-day plan, and this is what success looks like. And and very clearly delineate, you know, what it is that, um, you know, 30 days from now, this is what you should have accomplished. 60 days, this is it. 90 days, this is it. And that could be training, that could be, you know, virtually anything. But what it does is that employee knows right off the bat whether they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And then and then following up with that employee, um, you know, from both an HR perspective to ensure that they're getting what they need and that 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 uh, that, that one-on-one actually occurred <laughs> is, uh, is, 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 is number two. But and then once you're once you're done with the uh, the onboarding phase, you're into you know the normal performance management phase, and that's you know training on on giving and receiving feedback. That's um, easing them into the actual performance management system, um, which for us is is mandated manager check ins with that person on a cadence that works for uh, for both the employee and the manager. So. You know, I say I recommend monthly. Um, I know some organizations do as much as two weeks. Um, as long as it happens quarterly, I'm okay. And as long as as long as two people are in uh, are in agreement that quarterly is enough, then I'm okay with that. But during that check in, you know, that manager is again, you know, it's not the only place that that feedback is. It's a review of feedback that's been given since the last check in. But that feedback is is constant. That feedback is is a constant flow of information from employee to manager and manager to employee. It's something that happens on a daily basis. And then your review, or, or your 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 manager one on one, is is simply a uh, an opportunity for you to review that feedback and and check in with your manager on how you've been performing against that definition of success. So. With a constant cycle of feedback and the manager check-ins, not only do you understand where you stand, but it's codified in a single source of truth. Yeah. And so what that does is prevents any of that anxiety from occurring because, you know, your manager is giving you constant feedback. Your, your peers are able to give you feedback too, but that depends upon the size of the organization too. You know, you want a threshold of anonymity there, but, uh, you know, when you when you when you're done with that one on one, you're walking out of there saying, "Okay, so according to the definition of success for for my performance, I'm at X, Y, and Z, and according to uh, you know the feedback that I've gotten and reviewed, it all backs that up." And so from there, they know exactly where they stand. They're able to course correct quickly if something is going wrong. 
and they're able to reinforce, you know, uh, the fact that they are doing a good job and, uh, and, and remain engaged with the organization. And so, you know, and that flows all the way through, you know, if I put somebody on a performance improvement plan, it should not be a surprise to them. It should never ever be a surprise. You know, if we have to terminate somebody, it should not be a surprise to that person. Mm -hmm. And so what it does really is, is it, 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 it strives to engage the employees, but it also, you know, it, it goes multiple ways. Right. And so, you know, engagement is the ultimate goal. Um, but in some cases, you know, it, it, uh, it clues an employee into like, Hey, maybe this isn't the right place for me. Right. Like I'm, I'm really, I'm really struggling to live up to this definition of success. And instead of us having to go through a disciplinary process with that person, they're able to recognize, you know, quicker that, uh, you know, hey, maybe this isn't the right place for me. Maybe I should find something else. But, you know, hopefully we did our job in hiring and that doesn't happen. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, in some instances, you know, it does happen. And, uh, you know, even at uh, my organization now, we do the offer. Where after three weeks of employment, um, you know, we'll go to an employee and say, hey, if this isn't the place you thought you were joining, you know, we'll give you a severance package right now and you can walk away. Totally fine. No harm. Wow. Wow. That is really, really just cool. And I never heard of anything like that before. Um, And especially, you know, for Staff Geeks model, you know, having that focus on the culture fit is so necessary and why, you know, Staff Geek has seen success with the the organizations that we work with is because there's that mutual, it's like that puzzle piece fitting together. You know, when you have someone that fits the culture, um, you know, it's going to work. And if someone doesn't fit the culture, why would you try to, to fit two puzzle pieces together that don't match? It's just going to be very stressful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you know, culture fit is very important. I can't take credit for the offer. The offer was something they were doing uh, prior to me getting here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it stems from um, uh, Zappos, um, the, online, okay, uh, yeah. the online retailer. You know, back in the, I want to say, you know, early to mid aughts, I guess. Is that what you call that decade? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the aughts, uh, you know, Zappos' culture was was very much the rage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very, very strong. And, uh, you know, we're lucky enough to have, uh, engaged with them, um, probably two or three years prior to, to me getting here. And we still maintain contact with, uh, you know, somebody over there who is very integral to their culture. And she has helped us immensely, um, as far as, you know, executive coaching and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, that was something that they did, um, to make sure that, you know, you know, you were fully bought in, uh, once you get out of training. Um, you know, when you talk about when you talk about culture fit, um, you know, that's becoming that's becoming a very dangerous word right now because it's it's a word that instead of, you know, it being used for its true meaning, like you want somebody who's going to come in, you know, is aligned with your culture and everything like that. You know, what we're really looking for is, is, is there are, are they a value fit? Do they fit our do they fit our values and do they fit? Are they going to add to our culture? Right. You know, so instead of, you know, more of the same, like, is this person, you know, directly aligned with Wattify's culture? And yeah, we look for, for, you know, certain personality characteristics that are aligned with, with our culture. But, you know, what we're really looking for is, does this person believe in our values? Is this person going to, you know, lead like a business owner? Is this person going to invest in, in themselves and others? Are they going to, uh, 
you know, operate with integrity and are they going to, are they going to stay positive, you know? And then from there, it's like, okay, they, they're going to hit that. So what do they bring to our culture that we don't have right now? You know, what diverse, what diversity of thought do they, uh, what diversity of thought do they bring to the table? You know, what, uh, what disparate experience do they bring to the table? You know, that sort of thing. So, you know, it's really cool to root, you know, your, your culture is rooted in your values, but to root your hiring process and, and make sure that values are a big part of it. Um, you know, cause if, if the values match up, the culture fit more than likely is going to match up. And then being able to look for, for people that are going to add to your culture and diversify your culture and enrich your culture is, uh, is, is really cool as well. Yeah. So let's talk about engagement a little bit more. And I'd like to get your opinion on why engagement decline is such a modern issue right now. Well, I think there's, there's a few, there's a few different reasons for that. Um, first off, if you go back, you know, 20 to 30 years, nobody cared about engagement. <laughs> you know, uh, there, there was a different generation that was at the forefront of the workforce. And that was a generation that, um, you know, was extremely loyal to their employers. Um, you know, but then you have a generation like, uh, you know, I'm right on the cusp of Generation X and Millennium. Um, depending upon, you know, what definition I'm, I, I'm a Generation X or I'm a Millennial. It depends upon what definition you use, right? Um, but we're a generation that watched our parents work for an organization for 25 years and then be unceremonious, unceremoniously shown the door. You know, we watched them, you know, work at uh, work at factories, and all of a sudden, the factories were were moved to different places. You know, they were they were integral parts of the operation until they weren't. You know, and so for us, it's it's about what what I think that did was it it uh, it changed our perspective, and we show as much loyalty to an organization as that organization shows to us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's only been magnified in, in uh, you know, Generation Z and, and the millennials. And so what that means is that organizations have to pay attention to re- retention. And because turnover costs money, you know, turnover is going to cost you anywhere from 30 to 70 percent of that outgoing employee's salary to fill that role. You know, a lot of it's an opportunity cost, but it's still a huge cost to the organization. And because that that attitude of, of, you know, getting a job out of college and working there for 25 years, because that attitude has changed so much and because there's so much more opportunity, it's incumbent on employers to do everything they can possibly do to retain their employees because they're investing so much in development. And from that perspective, the number one factor in whether or not an employee is going to stay is, are they engaged? Are you providing them with the opportunity to, to become engaged? And, and a lot of what people need to become engaged is growth opportunities. You know, the, the benefits package has to be right. You know, the, uh, the, they have to be able to understand where they stand with the organization, like we stated. You know, they have to have a clear career path. Um, you know, they want professional development. There's a lot of different things that, that organizations are doing now that they didn't do, you know, even 20 years ago when I started my career. You know, there was there were some certain perks and stuff like that, but employees took their employers took their benefits package, their salaries and said, OK, here you go. And there wasn't much beyond that. You know, there, there was there were some organizations like, you know, like a Google that that really flipped everything on its head. 
because they took a very different approach to hiring. They took a very different approach to engaging their employees. And it was something that, um, you know, most, most companies had not seen, you know, and I think, uh, you know, there were a lot of people that had worked at those big companies that, that didn't want to do that anymore. And that understood after seeing a lot of good people leave those organizations that you have to take extra steps to retain your best employee, you know, and I think once, you know, I, I talked about, um, you know, I mentioned briefly that, uh, you know, you know, this generation shows as much loyalty to the employers, the employer shows to them. Well, that's not to say they're disloyal. You know, if, if an employer if an employer shows them that they're invested in them and, and take steps to really engage that employee, you know, this generation is going to be just as loyal as anywhere else, as any other generation. I think the, the difference is, is that this generation is, is forcing employers to engage them and make sure they're engaged um, in order to keep them. Um, you know, and it's engagement, you know, just on its face is so much more important or it's so, it's so important for, the stability of your business, uh, the production of your business, the profitability of your business, um, you know, all of that when it boils down to, you know, your business is your employees doing their jobs day to day. And if they're not engaged in their jobs, they're not going to perform at a high level. And if they're not performing at a high level, your company's not performing at a high level. So. Right. And so with Wattify, you increased engagement. Uh, can you go into details about, you know, when you came in and how you increased that engagement? Yeah, sure. So there was, uh, you know, th- th- there was definitely a, a really great, uh, my predecessor had left a, a really great kind of, you know, people operations um, uh, backbone okay. um, in there. You know, I, I think she was, she was there for uh, like a year and a half, maybe something like that. And she had done, you know, she had done a lot of work on, on, uh, on, on developing, you know, like performance reviews and stuff like that. And, and, and that being said, um, <clears throat> you know, COVID hit the organization very hard. It was a transition from, from a, uh, an office location to, uh, to being a completely hybrid workforce. And that impacted engagement quite a bit. And so, you know, the backbone that was in place um, needed to be tweaked. You know, like I said, it was solid. She did great work, but, you know, the, the environment had changed. Yeah, and, it's a new world. <laughs> it was a new world. And I think, you know, there was definitely a backbone in place. Um, and, and there were surveys that had been conducted as well. You know, I think, uh, I think they conducted a survey in spring of 2021 before I got here. And the EMPS score was a 19, right? And so what we put in, you know, the first thing we did was uh, when, when I got in was, was revamp the onboarding. Um, we certainly revamped the onboarding piece. Um, there was a lot of great stuff in there that we were able to keep and retain. But, you know, we revamped the way we did it. We turned it into, you know, kind of a more high touch situation, um, which, you know, at the start doesn't sound too efficient, but it pays dividends down the road. You know, investing in in being high touch in your onboarding and making sure that it's not just, you know, a a factory line pumping out people for your organization is, is, is paramount. It's gotta be high touch. It's gotta be, you know, personalized. It's gotta be, uh, it's, it's the employee's first introduction to the company and you want that introduction to be as rooted in your values as possible. And so, you know, we were able to revamp that onboarding. And then at the same time, you know, we were scaling immensely. I think, um, 
we were 37 employees when I started. And by the end of the year, we were at 75. Wow. So yeah, we hired, we hired a ton of people. And so by executing that onboarding and then by rolling out, um, you know, we did an engagement survey in September. Um, and that, you know, basically when we're looking at performance management and we're looking at, um, you know, uh, engagement levels, you, you need to have a baseline and you need to understand what it is your employees need to feel engaged. And, you know, what the lack was here was there was a lack of, of feedback um, given by the managers. And like most other places, you know, we had a few very experienced managers and then we had a bunch of managers that had transitioned from from being uh, individual contributors into the management role. Oh, and, I see. and, you know, that is a great thing. I love to promote from within whenever possible, but it's also a double-edged sword in that you have to train those people on how to be managers because otherwise they're going to default to be yeah. individual contributors. You know, when things get rough, they're going to want to um, dive in and do it themselves rather mm -hmm. than, than manage the folks underneath them, right? And when they dive in and do it themselves, it alienates the, the rest of their employees and is poor for engagement, right? Yeah. And so we had a group of, uh, of managers who were really had high potential and some of them were really, really good. Some of them, you know, all of them were good, but some of them were really good. Some of them were just good, right? And so what we did was, you know, we, we put folks through, uh, you know, we listened to the survey results. We looked at what the employees wanted from our baseline and we started to implement that. And what they wanted was feedback. They wanted transparency on performance. And, and that's what we, what we began to roll out and give them. Um, and the first step in that is, is training your managers on how to do that. You know, because that's not my responsibility as HR. I cannot go through and give 73 people performance reviews, right? That's not, mm -hmm. that's not how that works. And so, you know, we implemented a new, uh, new leader success program that, that really, um, talked about, uh, you know, first and foremost management and how you manage in the Wattify way. And, and with that, um, you know, there's a big emphasis on, on empathy and compassion. Um, there's a big emphasis on, on figuring out what your leadership style is, but the biggest emphasis is on talk to your employees, figure out how they like to receive feedback and consistently give them feedback in that manner. Right. And so the second portion was a giving and delivering feedback course that everybody in the organization took. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah, it was about, it, it's about an hour and a half long. Um, it's by no means a masterclass. But what it does is provide employees the tools to be able to, to A, start to think critically about feedback and B, you know, kind of some of the guardrails around what good feedback and poor feedback is. You know, um, good feedback needs to be timely. It needs to, um, you know, feedback should, uh, should either reinforce, remediate or recognize behavior, right? Um, those are the types of feedback that we want to see. We want to see constructive feedback and we want to see constructive feedback delivered in a manner in which the employee is going to digest it. Because if you don't deliver it like that, then the employee is not going to pay attention to it. You know, right. if, if somebody gives me feedback in a way that, that I don't prefer my feedback to be in, it's just going to piss me off, to be honest. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to take this. 
I'm going to take it as uh, I'm going to take it as, you know, like an insult or something like that, you know, or nitpicky or something like that. And so, you know, different people like feedback different ways. Some people like the spoonful of sugar. Some people like it very, very direct. And as a manager, it's, it's incumbent on you to figure out how your employees like it and, and deliver it in that way so that your employees feel like, uh, you know, feel like it's, it's genuine feedback and that, um, you know, it's actionable. Right. And so, you know, delivering those classes. And then after those classes were done, we rolled out our performance management system. And like I said, that was based on, um, you know, it's based on Lattice. Lattice is a software that is our um, kind of single source of truth for performance. Um, it was based on, you know, job competencies, which my, my predecessor had done a, a great job of getting together um, for the organization. And it was based on employees growing into the next competency. So it was providing that career path for the employees. Um, the feedback that went into Lattice was focused traditionally on the growth of the employee and uh you know it was constructive or it was non-constructive but uh you know essentially um you know when i say non-constructive it was you know that's like recognition that's like hey you did a great job mm -hmm. here, you know um but uh you know we mandated that managers were having a one-on-one -on -one with their employees at least one time per quarter um, and you know, more, if the employee felt like they needed more, you know, personally, I met with my, my boss by week, right. Um, or twice a month. Um, and I felt like that was sufficient for me to feel like I was, you know, on the right track. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they, they would, uh, sit down with the employee, uh, look at the competency level that they were in, look at the competency level that they were, uh, trying to get to, and then set growth goals to get them to that next competency level. And then each check-in was a progress check against those growth goals. And those growth goals could be quarterly, they could be an annual growth goal, whatever it takes, right? Um, but the bottom line is, is that by, by implementing that, you know, um, our EMPS score in September was a 59, which is really, really good. And what was the original number again? Could you repeat it was that? A, it was a 19. 19 to 59. Amazing. And so the 19 to 59 in September, I thought, okay, well, we have a lot of people still on their honeymoon period. Okay. And so the, the real telling one is going to be the, the March engagement survey. You run that. And so we reran the engagement survey. I like to run them at about six months uh, at a time. Um, and that prevents survey fatigue, and it also, you know, gives enough time for there to be a real impact on the numbers. Mm -hmm. And I was warning the leadership team. I said, you know, there, there may be, there's, there's probably going to be a fall in that number. You know, we had a lot of people on the honeymoon period, um, and you know, once they've gotten into, you know, real work, I expect that number to probably decline. But keep in mind that, you know, anywhere above, you know, for this organization, anywhere in the twenties to the thirties is going to be a great score. Mm -hmm. And we ran the survey and the survey came back as a 51. Wow. And so, um, you know, I, I'm most proud of the fact that the areas that needed to be addressed from the first survey were very much addressed in the second survey. That's so, awesome. you know, and things like providing feedback, we scored somewhere in the 70s and in the, the survey in uh, in March, we scored in the 90s, you know, mm -hmm. and that that was really what we were shooting for. And I think that had we not addressed those issues, that ENPS score would have gone down precipitously. So, um, you know, by and large, 
engagement on its face looks like a huge lift. It looks like, uh, it looks like, how do I do this? You know, if you're staring at it from a, a 10,000 foot view, but in reality, it's just figure out what your employees want and what they need to be engaged and do it. Yeah. And then, and then once it's done, keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if your organization offers competitive benefits, competitive salaries, equity, et cetera, you know, if your total rewards package is, is a good total rewards package, then what you're looking at is, is career pathing. You're looking at, um, you know, employees knowing where they stand with the organization and you're looking at, uh, at driving that through performance management. And, you know, it's, it's really when it boils down to it, you know, it's, it's a rewarding process and it's a process that, that is going to impact profitability in your organization a hundred percent. So. Yeah. So before we wrap up completely, I want to call back something that you said earlier, and that is, you know, the number one thing about um, encouraging engagement and providing good engagement is creating a psychologically safe space for employees. So what does that look like to you? So what it looks like to me is, and and I think that it is, if, if you're doing the engagement activities correctly, it's a result and a byproduct of that, mm-hmm. right? You know, it starts at the top. It starts at a place where, where, where your values have to be aligned with creating a psychologically safe organization. And so ours are investing in each other, uh, operating with integrity, leading like a business owner and staying positive and having fun. Those are our four values. And, you know, those values lend themselves to an environment where people want to bring ideas to the forefront and feel comfortable doing it. Now, you need to reinforce that. And, and the, the way that you really, truly provide psychological safety is employees knowing where they're at, knowing the truth of their performance, employees getting feedback that reinforces that truth of their performance, and by being an environment where the best idea wins, right? Where there's no shame in bringing up an idea that doesn't win. Um, and there's, there's, uh, there's no repercussions for bringing up an idea and trying something that, that maybe doesn't work. Right. And so, you know, part of it is, is the performance management piece where it's the feedback and it's the knowing where you stand. And the second part of it is very much rooted in values and culture in which, you know, we want ideas. We we're, nobody's going to ridicule you for bringing up an idea, et cetera, et cetera. And so when you have that combination of, you know, the performance management piece that, that really uh, drives home how well an employee is doing and a culture in which speaking up and, and bringing ideas to the forefront is, uh, is, is encouraged. That's where you get really, that's kind of the intersection where you get psychological safety, right? And, you know, when those two things come together, what you start to see is, is innovation taking off. You start to see, um, you know, really cool things happen. You know, it's not just following like, you know, uh, the, the typical roadmap. It's like, you know, I, I was taking a look at the software and I think we can do this. Let's give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it could fail, but it's okay to fail as long as you're failing fast. Right. And, you know, when you provide that level of psychological safety uh, or provide that level of um, that culture of idea inclusion um, and you're providing that employee with feedback to fail fast, to try things and fail fast, they're going to feel comfortable to, to continue to bring their ideas to the forefront. 
they're not going to feel like, you know, well, this idea might not work, so I better not say it. They're going to say, you know what, the hell with it. Let's try it. And, you know, that's where true psychological safety comes from is, is from, from a people operations perspective, providing that environment of feedback, providing that environment of stability, of understanding where they're at. And then from a cultural perspective, um, providing an environment where, you know, you want to hear ideas, whether they're from the CEO or the janitor, right? And, and, uh, and, and once those two things mesh, you know, that's where, that's where the special things happen. Yeah. Cheers to that. Well, Buck, thank you so much for your wisdom and insight into employee engagement. It is so valuable. Um, so in case people want to learn more about you or reach out, what's the best way to do so? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, let's see, uh, you know, they can shoot me an email. I'm just at, you know, buck at wattify.com or you know, robert.segelke at gmail.com. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. I am Lindsay, host of People Analytics. If you or anyone you know is like Buck, who's making the workplace better, uh, feel free to reach out to me, lindsay at staffgeek.com. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening. Yeah.